I got to think of a cool intro. Um, Marnie has a meltdown. Goldie's gone. Sid Barker medal stuff. Barassi. All on this week's episode of the podcast. Was that good? Terrible. <laughs> oh, okay. But we're going with well, it. We're going with intro. it. Going that's going to be, yeah, yeah. No, we're rolling with it. Um, guys, we're not together, me and Marnie. Uh, Marnie's here because we want her insight in for her reactions, her meltdowns. That's why you guys come here and we know that. But we're not together. There's a slight delay on the Zoom. So we're going to try and keep it professional, but we're probably going to screw it up a little bit. But that's cool, you know? It's fine. We're just rolling with the punches. It's all about the content, not about the quality, at least today anyway. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think myself and Marnie both live by these rules of quantity over quality, and that's got us to where we are today. The life of a North supporter. It's how many games can you get to during the year, not how many wins can you get to. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, that's grim. Anyway. Anyway, we uh, let's start off. There's been a lot happening in the North world and I've been waiting for delistings and they haven't come. Like where are the announcement that Kane Turner has been delisted, Marnie? Well, that's never coming. So get that out of your head to start with. He's going to be re-rookied. We talked about this the other week when we caught up with Admin 3. Um, I actually, someone, I spoke to someone last week um, and they made a really good point that we only find out tomorrow what our compensation is going to be from the AFL in terms of the assistant package. So there was maybe a chance that we wouldn't find out what, like what we would be doing um, until, and like what kind of at least changes would happen until we found out what was happening with the assistant package. So maybe they're going to wait until, I don't know, sometime this week or even after the grand final. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That makes sense. That makes sense. Did, here's the hardest hitting question of the podcast, Marnie, and it's all simple from here. Did we strategically get rid of Todd Goldstein to free up space for Kane Turner's contract extension? Yeah, the man's on big bucks. I mean, you got to do what you got to yeah, do, right? <laughs> Soz Goldie, KT's here. Get out the door, mate. Door's there. <laughs> Don't. Every time I think about Todd Goldstein not being a North <laughs> next year, I want to cry and just like, yeah. I honestly did cry. I still, do you know, I still haven't watched his video to the fans. I actually can't bring myself to do it. I I haven't watched it either because I, there's two sides to it. One, I don't want to watch it because I don't want to accept, and this is, Let's go into Todd Goldstein now. We'll get straight into it. Todd Goldstein has obviously said he's not going to be at North next year. They uh, were very quick to Viney uh, put out statements and things like that. And the club put out a statement and then he was very quick to do a video for all of the fans. And I haven't, I watched little clips of it or like I've seen bits of it, but one, I don't want to believe it's true. And two, I just, I already kind of know what he's going to say and I'm not sure he's a legend and I always love him, but I don't know how to feel. And then I can't, I'm kind of like, Oh, I don't really want to listen to you. Just say it's time for a new challenge or something like that. You know? But we know that's not true. So, you know, even, and I haven't, I haven't watched the video cause I don't want to face the reality of it being true. You know, mm. I think um, it's not the same as Cunnington and Zeeble. They're both, their careers are over. They're both retiring. There's no more football for them. But Todd Goldstein's decision to leave the club 
um, is hurtful, especially because over the years he ha- there's been so many rumours that he's been approached by XYZ club and he's constantly knocked them back. So you kind of thought, okay, he's probably going to be at North for life and this will probably be his last season. But it just seems like North probably offered him one year, whereas another club's probably offered him two. And I don't blame him. Like, you know, footy is a great career. It's great money, obviously, in this economy. We were just talking about it off air before we jumped on. Um, you can't, I, I don't blame him. But on the flip side, I know this hurts me to say, he's not, there's no way that he is worth a two-year contract. He's his body, like he was still a very good asset to the side this year, but he played alongside Cherry um, for most of the year. Um, and he definitely slowed down as the year went on. Do I think, I think, and I don't know what the club offered him if it was a year, I would have offered him a year with the trigger if he did, you know, play a certain amount of games and he would get that second year. Do I think that the club could have, should have just offered him the two years just to keep him at North? Hard to say right now because I hope that there's a bit of action happening during the off-season and the trade period where we'll bring in another Ruckman because Tristan Cherry is not our number one Ruckman going forward no matter what spin they want to put in it, no matter what they've said in that email, it's bullshit, okay? And you well, and I have spoken well, about this. did say that he he's going to take the number one uh, Ruck spot. That was going to be my next question. How did you feel when you read the quote, uh, it's time for Jerry to take the number one spot. I don't need to say anything. Look at my face. No one else can say it except for you. After everything you and I have discussed horrific, on this guys. podcast I can't, this year. I can't even. <laughs> After everything you and I have discussed this year, I feel like I've said enough to know, for people to know how I would feel about this. Just he won't be the number one recommend next year. And if he is... I've said this before, I pray, I pray for this club because it's not just the ruck position. You can say, oh, yeah, the ruck position's dead. Like we've spoken about this before. It's not about that. He can't, he's not a good footballer. He's not a good footballer at all. Okay. Hugh Greenwood in the ruck has more of an impact because Hugh Greenwood's a good footballer. Okay. He can actually have an impact around the ground. I've spoken about this, gone black and gone black and blue in the face this year. So I don't need to repeat myself on that and how I feel about that. Um, it's just, yeah. And even with playing alongside Goldstein, he was still no good. Yeah. No, you, you so, don't have to convince me, Marnie. I think didn't, I th- did I we say this on the podcast or did someone send me this stat? I think someone might've messaged me and look, this isn't meant to be a, a Tristan Jerry chat. We'll go back to Goldie after this, but I'm pretty sure. It always sure turns into a Tristan me- Sherry bashing. All the time. I know. You're totally <laughs> right. It does. It is his fault for not being very good. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure Tristan Jerry took three marks, not just contested, three marks in six games of football at the end of the year. So, look, we'll go back on to Goldie, but you are totally right. We The ruck position is, I think, all as crucial, if not more crucial to you know recruit than a defender. But we'll, we'll go back to Goldie. What what do you think we do then? Do you think we recruit, or do you think Goldie goes on to Essendon and plays very much? Like, give me your your thoughts. Let's go to the Essendon side of things first. Why do you think they want him? Because he's a good ruckman, um, and I guess it's one of those things where, and I think we've seen it um, over the years. I think a really good example is Paddy Ryder when he went late in his career to St Kilda, and he worked alongside Rowan Marshall. And Rowan Marshall's developed really, really well on the back of, I mean, he's a very good player, Rowan Marshall. But I'm sure having 
worked with Patty and alongside Patty probably really helped in terms of career development. So that is a really, you know, Sam Draper is an up and coming ruckman. He's a good ruckman, um, but, you know, maybe working alongside someone like Goldie will really um, just elevate his game a little bit more. And I mean, like I said, at the end of the day, like it really, it actually really hurts. And it's, you know, maybe I'm old school in thinking that, you know, the one club, the loyalty thing, like, you know, it's, it's, it, that's a fairy tale these days. That really rarely happens. And at the end of the day, if our club can turn around to Boomer Harvey, who's arguably one of the best players to ever pull on the jumper, if not the best, and say, your career's over here, you know, then any, any player can walk out the door. Do you know what I mean? I don't know where it's a different time now, but I always just thought that, his dedication to the club in the past, I just thought that that would continue and that he would stay. Um, and I think that's what hurts the most. It's, you know, it's really rare that you do get to play over 300 games for one club. Um, and then to not want to kind of continue that legacy for another season or two, it's um, it's definitely heartbreaking for me anyway. So the, you know, mm. Essendon, if it ends up being Essendon, Geelong are still, you know, their, their names are being thrown around once again. Um, it's hard to know. It's, it's it's I think I think it's a risky move to be honest um, to leave North because I don't. There is no guarantee that he'll be the their number the number one ruckman wherever he goes. Say Essendon because that's the where he's been linked. Obviously, there's no there's definitely no guarantee he's going to be the number one ruckman there. I wouldn't think so anyway. And I wouldn't think he's leaving to be a number one ruckman though anyway. Like I think we saw at the back half of the year, especially in the Bulldogs games, the one that sticks out to me the most where he was good in the ruck in that game, but, and around the ground, he can still take a mark, but Tim English just ran him ragged and he couldn't keep up. He didn't have the tank anymore. So he must be going to a place to be a mentor to somebody. But from what I know, isn't he doing a law degree? Like I don't think he's going to go into coaching or anything after football so it's interesting he does want to move you'd think he'd want to maybe help us but you know I guess it is the only thing I can think of is it's the one or two-year contract and the the extra year on the deal is is the reason why I guess the other thing I was going to ask is we're losing Goldstein Cunnington and Zebel. that's you know, 900 odd games or, you know, probably 850 odd games of experience. Do you think we should have learned from the past when we got rid of Petrie and Harvey and Farido and Del Santo and everyone that's been the main criticism of why we're bad now. I don't think that really is the reason uh, or not the majority of it anyway, but do you think it's a thing where we should learn from our mistakes and not get rid of all these guys? Or how do you feel going into next year, not having that much experience? Firstly, shout out Aaron Hall, who always gets forgotten in the ring of retirements this year. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. So also losing Aaron Hall. Um, uh, yeah, that was a really big downfall in 2017. And because obviously Wells left as well at the end of 2016, um, along oh, with those yeah, guys, yeah. he went to Collingwood. So we lost like over a thousand games of experience at the end of that year. Um, I think it's interesting to see what we do. We still do have a few veterans and I use air quotations. We do have some very senior experienced players, um, who are still on the list. I I mean, Hugh Greenwood will be there, will be playing next year. Liam Shields, we still don't know if he's going to play, but I think he wants to play on. Um, I was having a chat to him mm. at the BNF and it sounded like he wants to be there next year. So 
um, and hopefully playing. Um, so I think he has, I thought he was fabulous um, for us this year. I really loved the addition of Shields in the side. And I know that, um, you know, later down the track um, in another episode, we'll talk about free agency and trade and all that sort of thing. And I think we'll still be looking to bring in experience, um, just experience that looks a bit different, maybe experienced players who are 27, 28, who still have, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of time left. Um, I think, I don't think it's going to be as bad as sort of the, the cull was at the end of 20, um, 16. I think another reason for that is that the players who have really shone this season are the young guys. I mean, Zabel finished in the top five in the BNF and he had an excellent season and you and I both loved what he did this year. But Cunnington was in and out of the side all year. Um, Goldstein, while he played most of the year, he actually wasn't the number one ruckman in round one. They opted for Sherry um, instead. So they obviously have been Ooh. thinking about this for, I know, I know, I don't want to talk about it, but I'll think about it. But <laughs> we obviously that was the direction we were going in, you know, from the start. And then I think as well, you look at a side like Hawthorne and, you know, they've just, they've just cleaned the place out and it was a shaky start. But as soon as it all came together, I mean, they had an excellent second half of the season. They knocked off some big players. Um, so I really think that I trust, I trust what Clarko is doing. Um, you know, at the end of 2016, there was a rumor that Brad Scott got rid of all these players just to prolong his career. I don't think that's what Clarko is doing. Also, like I've said, these players are leaving through retirement. They're not doing it because, you know, they're being cleaned out. So I think we'll be okay. And I think we'll still bring in some experience, um, through the trade period. Um, but I think we might have a bit of a slow start the start of next year. I think it could take us a while to get up and running. It'll be interesting because two things then. One, do you feel if Clarkson wasn't our coach, how would you feel? Because I don't like that we got rid of that much experience. I, I You know that I've been an advocate for, and you have too, for Goldie and Zebel probably playing on next season, just enough for another year. And obviously I'm sure we tried to get Goldie. Um, I trust getting rid of these guys, getting rid of is a harsh word, but you know what I mean? Because Clarkson's there, but I could only imagine how stressed I would be if Alistair Clarkson wasn't there. Yeah, I get that definitely. And I do agree with you to an extent as well. Um, Mm. Because I, Zeebles are different. Zeebles are different. I mean, you saw the rap list, the rap sheet at the end of, you know, his career and the injuries he was carrying. I just physically don't think his body could have gone on another year, um, despite the season that he did have. Um, Goldie, I I probably would have wanted to fight harder for him um, to play on if we were even, if we were push, I don't think we're going to push for finals next season. I just lay that out on the table. think we'll have a better year but I don't think we'll push for finals and I don't I think a lot of people probably share that sentiment so I think because we're probably still in another year of learning and another year of rebuilding maybe Goldstein being moved on isn't necessarily the worst thing it's a very similar situation to Robbie Tarrant um, when he left to go to Richmond a couple years ago North wanted to give him a year Richmond gave him two years. He barely played any football, Robbie Tarrant, for Richmond. He played, I think, 20 games over the two years he was there. Um, and that didn't end up really impacting us as badly as we might have thought. So I think the Goldstein situation will be similar. 
but from a culture perspective at the club and just from, um, I guess, to what it, like what Goldie means to fans and what he means to the club, I think that's where it's probably going to be the hardest adjustment. Well, there's a good lead on actually my, to my last question before we go into a different topic. Um, who steps up? And we know the obvious ones, like you, you, Simpkins captain, McDonald. I mean, we could talk all day about that, but that's not the discussion for today. Larky, we've seen, I think he'd be a brilliant leader. Who are some people around the club you think that maybe aren't the obvious ones, like a Greenwood and the Shields as well? Anyone else you think needs to to step up or take another step forward in their leadership to fill that massive void any way they can? Yeah, I think definitely the three obvious ones are Simkin, McDonald and Larky. It's really interesting that point you make on Larky as well. Um, I think Bailey Scott is probably another one and LDU. They're probably two on-field leaders who probably have the capacity to step up off-field as well. Um, ben Mackay is a member of the leadership team, so he's he's also going to be gone next year. So there's another sort of hole to fill. Um, and I think as well, and without trying to put pressure on them, I think Wardlaw, Sheasel and Braden George as well. Um, obviously, we haven't seen anything of Braden George on field, but we know he's charismatic. You know, we know he's got that real incredible energy um, and excitement about him. And these are the guys of the future. I mean, Harry Sheasel's just won our best in Paris. I mean, that's as much leadership as you're really going to get um, from anyone in their first season. So I think those three guys who we all think really are going to be three of our biggest players moving forward um, and really they'll be probably leading the charge towards our next premiership along with Nick Larkey, I would say the four of them are probably really, and then LDU, you probably throw in that mix and Scott. So, you know, that's your group there. That's your core group. And I think, you know, there's nothing, nothing like setting standards and being leaders that are coming from your youngest players. So I, I really expect all of them to step up next season because they want to, not because they feel like they're pressured to. I think they love the club and I think they're invested in where we're going. Um, so I, I really expect them to step up as well. Yeah, no, that is true. I think LDU is an interesting one. I I had a conversation with someone at the barbershop apparently who coached him in his high, like high school years and he said, the dude is a brilliant footballer, but he's not a leader. Um, if that comes with age, I, I think he could be, but I didn't know him on that personal level like this individual did. And he did say that the guy's not a leader. He's not going to be the voice. He's not going to um, be the guy to step up and, and say something all the time. He'll lead with his actions on the football field. But at the end of the day, LDU wants to play footy and surf. And uh, I don't think that's a bad thing, by the way. Like those... Uh, that's a pretty simple life and a good life. And, you know, if he can lead with his actions on the field, I think that can be enough. But um, I instantly went to like Wardlaw and Sheasel as well, but I sort of felt weird about it being there 18 years old. Like Bailey yeah. Scott is a, is an interesting one, um, but we are so young. I don't think there's much outside the obvious of Shields, Greenwood, Simkin, McDonald, Larkey. But that technically is a leadership group, I guess. So it'll be interesting to see when they announce the leadership. And that's a group pretty good. That's a pretty good leadership group um, in its own right. I think um, in terms of leadership qualities, the two that come to mind and it was spoken about a lot when they were drafted was Will Phillips and Braden Drury. Um, now, obviously, these are really young kids, and Drury in particular. You know, he's only played a handful of games, but they're both meant to be 
real leaders and that was that was part of the reason why they were both drafted is for their leadership potential. Mm. Um, and so I think maybe not in the immediate future, but I think in the mid-future, um, the mid-term future, we can definitely probably bank on the two of them also, you know, being strong leaders at the club. Going back to just something you said about LDU quickly, when this discussion at the end of 2022 when Zebul decided to step down as captain, um, the reason one of the reasons it was spoken about why we went for co-captains and these were the captains were voted by the players is that Simkin had more of this on-field leadership, whereas McDonald was more of this on-off-field leader and, you know, kind of the, the morale guy around the club. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to have leaders who speak on-field with their actions and leaders who speak off-field with their words. Um, so I don't think in LDU's case, I don't I don't think um, that's a bad thing at all. I think it's really good to have someone that drives standards um, because we really need it. Yeah, I, th- I think Will Phillips actually now you've said it is a really interesting one. Um, what's he going to go into his fourth year? So, yeah, I, I that's a great shout. What do you think of someone? This wasn't meant to be a leadership discussion, but, hey, this is when we podcast. It always goes down rabbit holes. Um, <laughs> what do you think of Zerha? Yeah, I think Zerha's a really interesting one. Um, we've had this discussion about Zerha before and maybe not being that shin boner in the same way that Nick Larkey is. I think Zerha's got yeah. the potential to be a really strong leader, but whether he actually steps up to the plate is a completely different story. He actually is someone I thought about, which is really interesting. Kind of the one thing about Zoha, which I think he worked on this year, is that he's a bit selfish, um, and I think he really worked on that this year. You know, he rotated through the yeah. middle. He was, you know, a bit more of a playmaker than he was at the end of, you know, the handballs and, you know, the goals and that sort of thing. Um I could, I can see the potential, but I can't see it where he's at now. It's a massive year for Zerha next year. I think, look, he unlucky with injury, obviously, but um, wasn't having his best season, but he did play more mid. I reckon midfield is kind of going to be his thing. But once again, we've got so many midfielders. I don't know where he fits in. That's a discussion for another time. But yeah, look, I'd love Zerha to step up and be... Um, part of the leadership group. So yeah, I, I, I guess we'll see. Um, I hope Zerha comes back and is, is really strong because he could be such an X factor, but Braden George seems like, oh, look, he's never played and I'm the last person that ever wants to get hyped on preseason hype, right? Because Tristan Jerry apparently had the best preseason at the club, but um from all reports on Braden George and I've never heard a group of fans like North fans talk about one guy like this before is that he's like Zerha, but with polish, like real polish and class. And that excites me. My gut tells me, and I don't, I don't want to believe it, but I think Zerha has gone after next year. And there's nothing to suggest that. I just think, I just don't, I don't know why I think this. I just think next year is going to be his last and he'll, go on to another challenge. But if a guy like Braden George can step up and fill that role and maybe elevate above it, that would be good. But yeah, I don't know. I just have this gut feeling that Zerha's not here past next year. In terms of being at North or in terms of being a footballer? In terms of, in terms of being at North, I think yeah, he I will go that. to like an Essendon or or a slightly bigger club. I just haven't got the feeling that he lo- that he loves it. I think he does. He like he gets around everybody and he's passionate and he play I think he plays for the jumper. Um and it is a job to these guys at the end of the day. They didn't grow up supporting North like us and I completely understand that. But 
I'm only going off a gut feeling here. I just think if Clarkson didn't show up at last year, or if they didn't sign Zerha for two years before the investigation for Clarkson broke out, I reckon he was gone. Uh, I reckon he only stayed because Clarkson showed up. Um, and if they didn't do it when they did, and they did it a month later, I, I don't reckon he would have would have been there. Uh, once again, I, I don't have much backing to that. It's just a gut but feeling. I just, it's just my gut feeling. Mm. Yeah, it's a big call. Yeah. I actually don't. I don't disagree with you for what it's worth, but it's a it's a conversation for another day. I think. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Okay, so uh, going on from the Bombers and Goldie, we've got the Bombers and Ben Mackay. He's requested a trade um, or requested his destination to be Essendon as well. Um, imagine if someone told us that Mackay and Goldie would both be playing for Essendon next year. Um, initial feelings and thoughts about Mackay requesting uh, to go to the Bombers? Not surprised. Bloke's a dog. <laughs> do we hate him now <laughs> i never really like liked him as a person to begin with to be honest oh no i know I mean, that's he, not very he, nice he yeah he was always just i mean look i i never disliked ben mckay we we have said before like body language wise i think he's never been the guy to be able to be like i'm gonna take this on but i guess it's not needed to be a footballer but he's I mean he's a good footballer I I would have rather have kept him I think you said that in the past as well um but you know inevitably I think it was always gonna be this way so leaving a, a big gap yeah, yeah this is very obvious it? no it was really obvious we spoke we spoke about this multiple times throughout the year I don't I never thought he would want to stay it's sort of the same way I felt about Horn Francis 12 months ago no, no part of me thought that Horn Francis would stay. No part of me thought Mackay would resign. Mm. Um, depending on what what Essendon's offering him, and I've heard it's you know three quarters of a million dollars a season to eight hundred thousand dollars a season. So that's just a, an exorbitant amount of money. Um, but if it's not as big as what it's rumored, I would still want the club to match it. Um, I think that the club shouldn't be dicked around. Um, and they should really just stand their ground firm. However, I believe the money is a lot and I don't think he's worth that much. Um, I think it's interesting. He's played 70-odd games in seven seasons. Um, that's not a lot of football. Um, and there was a report that came out during the week. I think Channel 7 had reported that, um, you know, the Medicos had some uh, had some questions around his knee. Um, we know that his body's fragile. It's obviously just an that's attempt not a good to cheapen thing for him. us, though. Like that's that's bad. We know he wants to go at this point, and we don't. I don't, I don't want him to have any injuries because then that might decrease the money. I guess. You know, well, that's uh, the only reason why that report came out in the first place is yeah, Hawthorne trying to cheapen just, his value. Yeah. To be honest, mm. it's just a, it's just Hawthorne trying to mess with Essendon. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it, it's worked. Um, I still think that Mackay will go to Essendon on upwards of 750 a year um, yeah. and we'll take pick three and we'll figure out what to do with it, um, you know, closer to the draft. Um, but nothing about the situation surprises me. But like I said to you, if in, if there is some, and it's a very small chance that Essendon turn around and say, oh, we're only offering you whatever, 650, 700 a year, I still think North should match it. I think we should definitely stand our ground because he's a very, you, very valuable player. Do you think... 
And I completely agree with that. Do you trust North to to make the best out of this situation though? Because there's always a part of me that until maybe I think we've done pretty well from the Horn Francis deal. Um, <clears throat> apart from that, I, we don't have a great track record of getting something from big free agents or trades or, or anything like that. Do you trust that we can, we'll match it and then, and then can stick it out and figure out a trade? Do you, well, what do you think the outcome will be of that? What does your gut tell you that North will do or they can do? Say he does get 750, say he does get whatever we get with pick three. That's good. Easy. We just let him go. But say he doesn't, do you see it playing out in our favour? Yes. Do you trust us? Because to we either do keep, well, we either keep Mackay, well, we either keep Mackay, or we end up getting a really, a really juicy package we won't, from. We Essendon. won't keep him regard, even if we match it. Even if we match it, we're not going to keep him anyway because we're going to have an unhappy player, and it's in the best interest of the club for him to go. So if we match it, then it forces us to trade with the bombers. I think they're the only two options that are going to happen. And the thing, the reason I'm asking you this is like, would you be confident that if we matched it, we'd be able to facilitate a trade um, that is going to get us something better than what we would have got for, as pick three or something like that? Um, yeah, I still think it would work out in our favor. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn between between it, to be honest, um, because from what I've sort of put together, this decision was made a long time ago. I don't think this was a decision that was made in the last week. I think it was, I think it's been, was made a long time ago and Makai has just kind of kept quiet and has just kind of let the year go. Um, but I've heard things that make me kind of feel like this was a decision that was made a long time ago rather than, you know, just on the spot over, over a 48 hour period. Um, so in that, then yes, I think you, you can't, you can't keep him, um, you know, no matter what a required play is, mm. if he's unhappy, then he's unhappy and he needs to go elsewhere. Um, but I, I, I do trust the club to get the best deal for us if we end up matching it and we, we have to trade it out. I think Ben Brown's a really good example of this. Um, the club only got pick 23 in exchange for Ben Brown. Um, we made the mistake of opening our mouths and confirming that he wanted to leave. We should have just kept quiet because that probably cheapened his value. But, you know, you can kind of look at it two ways. But, I mean, Ben Brown had one good year at Melbourne and he ended up winning a flag and he actually played quite well in the grand final in 2021. But he hasn't really done anything since. I mean, he hasn't been able to crack the side. He's been injury happened and he'll probably retire. And he hasn't really, you know, he hasn't really had a big impact at the, at the D's with the exception of a premiership. So, you know, it, it, at how you look at that, you know, is how you look at it. I, I don't know. Um, but... I think that ultimately I don't think it's going to come down to us matching it because I think the Bombers are going to offer a stupid amount of money um, because yeah. also from their perspective, they get him for free. Yeah, they're paying him a shitload of money, but they don't have to give anything up. So, you know, yeah. maybe. No, that is true. Maybe, it is in the and best they, interest of and both they clubs. Are, it, it actually is because they're, they're, it looks like they're going to lose a couple of players already over the offseason. I mean, Zerk, that chart, it's rumoured that he's going to make a, re a request to go back to Port Adelaide unless he has already done it. Um, so, I think I mean, he has done it. Yeah, and I mean, 
Mackay's better than Dirk Thatcher anyway. But, you know, it's just one of those things where I think it's actually in the best interest of both clubs for Essendon to overpay and for North to take pick three and just go our separate ways. With with the payment thing, and tell me your opinion on this, but I, I rate Ben Mackay very highly. And I know maybe in our heads now where say we are trying to think about maybe the flaws in his game and we're trying to be like, oh, yeah, he's good, but is he 750000 good? The, the one thing I'll say is for players of that sort of ilk, 25 years old, 200 centimetres, key defender, key defending for me is the hardest position to find in the league. For players either that in demand or players like top midfielders, you're never going to, you're always going to overpay. You have to overpay for the best players. But then in a couple of years, that's not going to be overpaying because the caps go up, the TV deals come in. And, you know, we never even thought a million bucks for a player would be a thing. And now it's starting to become a thing. So I'm not sure that paying 750 for Mackay is a bad thing. I don't, I, I wouldn't consider it overpaying maybe right now, poss- possibly, but considering his age position and where the league and the cap and everything is going to go. I don't think that's an exuberant amount of money. And, you know, say there was a player like a, a top mid, say a, a Clayton Oliver, you know, and he was a free agent and he was worth, what would we say about 850, 900 a year? If we paid him a million bucks a year, would anyone complain? I don't think so. So you know, does that make sense? What I'm saying there, I don't yeah, think it it's really overpaying for what you'll get long term. Um, I think it's a fair point but, too. You know, but the only thing I would say to mm-hmm. that, which I is, I think Mackay is more of a high risk, high reward because of his body. Um, he's had injury problems, yeah. and there's a reason why he hasn't, why he's only played, you know, why he's only played seventy odd games since he's come over to North. Um, if you can, if yeah. you can get his body right, um, I think it's a no brainer. But to me, I think you're paying seven fifty to eight hundred on potential, um, rather than what you're seeing in front of you. Because while what we've seen is good, it's quite a small sample size when you think about it. And even if you think about his the year this year, he was pretty inconsistent. He he wasn't, you know, his best is brilliant, and I'm not denying that. But we didn't see his best week in week out when he was on the park. Mm. And you can't you can't say that we did. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I I, I agree. But yeah. Look, I, I just think I would have rather have kept him and I and I don't want the North fans to try and now just focus on his flaws and say we don't need him or he's overpaid or he's not that good. Like, it's it's not true. Like, we would have all loved it's him It's not true. And, I would have much preferred he stayed and I've said that all year. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, if someone doesn't want to be there, that's the first thing. And the second thing is probably not on that kind of money. We're also not in the same, I think it's a really important term, we're also not in the same position as Essendon are. Essendon are a lot closer to cracking finals than we are, no matter if people want to admit that or not, they like it or not. They are, and it probably makes more sense for them to be taking a risk like that than us right now. Um, I also don't think, I also think the club's got a plan. Um, I don't think the club would just let him walk if they didn't have a plan. Because as you said, it's, it's a lot of money, but I don't think it's, crazy i don't think it's completely out out there it's a lot yeah. but it's not it's not un, it's not unreasonable it's not maybe it's a bit unreasonable but it's not insanity i'm not sitting here saying oh my god i can't believe they're gonna pay him that no. um so but i think the club's got a plan very and interested I, to see, you know, yeah I, i'll be very interested to see 
what they because I believe they have a plan. Literally, once again, only because Clarkson's there, I believe that we've got a plan. Thank God for that man. But if the, the two guys who I thought were the most likely to get in Lewis Melikin, who I thought was really good in the finals, and I would have loved to be able to get him. He's re-signed with the Swans for a year. And um, Tomlinson from the D's, I know he's 30, but you got a couple of years. If we draft a Daniel Curtin or something and he plays with Tomlinson for a couple of years and takes over the reins there, that would have been brilliant. But then the D's have told him that he has to stay now and see the last year of his contract out, which is ridiculous because he's like the fourth or fifth choice key position player there. So it'll be interesting to see what we do key position defender wise uh, on top of the ruck and the other key forward we need and all the other positions. But um, I trust it because Clarkson's there, but I I don't know what we're planning to do. So it's going to be such an interesting off season. But um, look, we'll leave the Ben Mackay stuff there. Hopefully he does well at Essendon. Thank you, Ben. Um, but I guess Goldie going has maybe taken the spite out of the Ben Mackay thing. Maybe it was announced very quickly for, for a strategic reason. So we didn't go after Ben Mackay too much. And we focused nah, on... Nah, Ben uh, Mackay can get wrecked. Ben Mackay can get wrecked, mate. Dead to me. Like you will kick nine <laughs> on him. He'll get his career high 10 uh, goals next year against the Bombers. Looking forward which to will it. be fantastic. Looking forward to it. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, absolutely. You went to the Sid Barker medal. Sure, Marnie. did. Give us the... Uh, look, we know what you're like, Marnie. High fashion, caviar and lobster everywhere you go, red carpets, gold carpets. There's nothing but class oh. and luxury. And that's no, that's no question. I've seen how you roll. Um, <laughs> how, how are the glitz and the glamour there? Before we get into the count and who won and the top 10 and everything, tell me about the night and just the event and the spectacle. No, the night was really fun. Um, I've been, this is the third BNF I've been to. Um, and it was really, it was a really, really fun night. Like the, the venue was gorgeous. Um, spirits were high. Everyone was in a really great mood. Um, everyone looked amazing. Um, it was a, yeah, it was a really fun night and it always is. I think it's, um, it's a really nice, I mean, it's a really, nice way to kind of finish off the season um especially you know the players that you get to talk to and the people that you get to see um and be there with fellow north supporters um it's always so much fun so yeah I had had a great night I I really enjoyed it yeah it looked uh it looked very fancy I I'd love to go to one of those one day just literally not because I want to be there for the count or the club just because I want to wear a suit somewhere for the first time I'll go with you next year we can do a live pod from the BNF that Oh, like street talk, yeah. but we can do it at the BNF. Done. That would be sick. You're on. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, you know what? It's good. I'm glad I'm there. I could I couldn't trust you with the mic at a BNF because we we want to talk. Well, only because if I said go and interview some players, Marnie, you'd just stand with Hugh Greenwood the whole time. It'd be 20 that minutes is, of Hugh and Hugh talking that instead is of getting a no Sheasel, no Wardlaw, <laughs> no Larky chat. Just be Hugh Greenwood but no one and would ask be me mad if anyone's seen Jasper Pittard at the no. back. <laughs> No one would be mad at me and Hugh Greenwood talking for half an hour. Thank you very much. That is a podcast I would like to see. <laughs> no, I did actually talk to um, a fair few players. One player I actually spoke to for quite a while who I've never really properly met before was Ben Cunnington. Um, and he's just mm, the okay. most wonderful man. He's just such a gem. Um, he was a real delight. We were reminiscing about our favourite games um, together and I told him that my favourite performance of his was against West Coast um, in Perth in 2021 when we, you know, it was a rainy Monday night. I was there 
I was living in Perth at the time. Um, and yeah, he just couldn't stop smiling. He's like, yeah, I usually really keep it like keep, you know, keep it collected and, you know, keep it all cool and calm. But he's like, I just, I just, I don't know what happened that night. I was just really fired up. So, um, (laughs) yeah, that was great. He's, he's amazing. And, you know, like it's someone I've never really, um, had the time to, you know, talk to and, and get to know. So to be able to, you know, have a really good, like 10, 15 minute chat with him was, um, was yeah, really special. That's awesome. That's awesome. Look, hopefully you can pull some strings and get me in there next year, Marnie, because we know you've got friends in high places and uh, use those connections of yours. All right. Okay. Next year we're on. So let's have a look at the top 10 and we'll go from 10th all the way up to first. Um, just a, a quick comment on the, on the players in the top 10. Let's not try and ramble too much here. Even though the first one is an interesting talking point, 10th in our best and fairest was Jai Simkin. I don't know how the votes work. I'll read out the number, but I got no idea how it works. Jai Simkin uh, ended on 88 votes or points, whatever we want to call it, um, 10th in the best and fairest. And for me, when you look at some of the guys he's under, especially like a Taron Thomas, a Mackay, Zerhar and Shields are, are above him. Um, Taron played half a year. Zerha played half a year. Shields basically played half a year. Mackay injured at the start. Jai's got a massive bounce back year ahead of him, especially, did he win it the year before? Am I completely getting that wrong? He's won the last two years. Yeah. So So, a big year next year for Jai. What do you think about Simkin coming in uh, 10th after playing the majority of the season? So quickly, the way the BNF votes worked this year was four, three, two, and one. Um, all five, okay. um, all five coaches gave four, three, four, three, two, and one, and you can only poll in a maximum of twenty games. Um, so it does allow for injuries as well. Um, Jai, Interesting. Okay, I didn't Jai, know that. Um, Jai was also in and out of the year quite a lot this year. I think it's really easy to forget he was struggling with concussion specifically um, a few he times. He broke his hand as well. Yeah, his hand. So, um, you know, there were quite a few games that he missed, but I do agree with you. Um, his season was underwhelming, as was Luke McDonald. I mean, Luke McDonald wasn't even in the top 10. and He played every game just about. So that's that's probably True. the bigger talking point. Kane Corns actually brought it up um during the week last week and it's really hard to disagree well it's really hard to disagree with those comments I mean this is no I agree he played the whole year he's one of the co-captains and he can't even crack the top 10 when you know half the guys in the top 10 missed a big chunk of footy um I think for both McDonald and Simkin and they would know this that they both have to lift next season um I think that Jai probably I don't know if he struggled with the responsibility particularly with an underperforming McDonald um but yeah considering how he's kind of been on a high for the last two seasons um probably expected a bit more from him we can quickly go through the next few there's not heaps to talk about we kind of named them before ninth is shields on 90 zerhar on 90 Mackay on 98 um well let's just go to those three zerhar and shields missing a lot of footy um, Zerha eighth, I think. Yeah, I, I would have thought Sim could maybe had a better year than Zerha, but I guess maybe Zerha stands out in particular moments. Mackay, I think it just shows, even though he doesn't look like he's doing a lot, he's solid and he kind of gets the job done more often than not. Um, and Liam Shields ninth. Yeah, I'm surprised that Liam Shields is above Simkin, but just give me your thoughts on any of those guys quickly. 
Not surprised by any of them, to be honest. I thought Shields had an excellent season um, and I would really be campaigning for him to go around one more year next year. I think he has been a really big asset to the to the side. Um, I actually thought Zoha had an excellent year too. Um, and I've spoken about this. Um, I spoke about this on the pod um, a few weeks ago. I think that Simkin added another dimension to his game. Obviously, it wasn't as damaging in front of goal, but his rotation, he's obviously a lot fitter and he's, you know, he's a big body and him rotating through the middle of the ground, I think really gave us another another dimension that we maybe hadn't had for a while, probably since a fit Ben Cunnington um, a few seasons ago. Um, and Mackay, yeah. I mean, like I said, I could talk, we, we could talk about, you know, all the flaws in his game, as you said, but he is still a quality defender. And while he did miss some footy, um, I thought he did have a really good season when when he was on the park. Um, and I think that all three of them, yeah, I think I think um they're all top ten worthy, in my opinion, their seasons. I think yeah. Zerha probably would have surprised some, but I think he deserves to be there. Um Taron Thomas finishing sixth in our best and fairest after missing majority of the season. Um, is that just showing what he can do and what he can hopefully bring next year? He's our best player um, without a doubt. He's our most talented player. Um, and I think that him yeah. finishing sixth is icing on the, we really need to fight hard in the next 12 months to keep him and keep him happy and, you know, I think um, he also has a lot of work to do personally. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the club needs to fall to his feet, but I think we've got to find a way to keep him happy and keep him motivated and keep him at North because he's he's got limitless potential, to be honest. And I think he's such an important player um, and such a talented player and can is a game changer. And I think he we could he's a, he's a premiership piece in my opinion, um, you know, of the puzzle. So I think that um yeah he's we really need to do everything we can to keep him. Zebul fifth and LDU fourth. I'm surprised that I'm really am surprised that Zebul is below LDU. I I have campaigned for Zebul's season like you have as well. And yeah, I, I would be surprised. I'm surprised that LDU actually finished above him. LDU was definitely the better player when he was on the park, but he wasn't really on the park. So pretty standard i mean you could you could easily pick those we're going to be under the next three we'll talk about but um yeah any comments on, on those guys there's not really much to be said i think if ldu played a lot more top two if not probably would have taken out the best and fairest and zebul yeah i don't know i think i would have thought maybe he'd be fourth but maybe i'm overestimating jack zebul no, I also would have thought the same as you. Um, but LDU is a superstar. You can't you can't deny that. Um, but for Zebul in his last year to finish fifth in the best and fairest um, is quite an achievement, especially because he, you know, for most of the second half of the year he was the tactical sub, um, so he wasn't playing full games often. Sure. Um, so I think yeah, for Zebul, it's just an excellent way to round out his career. And LDU, we can only hope will you know, be back on the park for, you know, the full season next season. And I would agree with you. I think if he was on the park for majority of the season, he probably would have taken out the BNF, to be honest. He's an absolute superstar. Um, and again, very, very lucky to have him at North. Yeah, for sure. Um, 112 votes for, for Zebul and 131 for LDU. So a bit of a disparity there. Um, let's go top three then. Uh, and yeah, we'll just go individually. Bailey Scott, 140 votes. I think we all could have probably picked he's going to be in third. Um, what do you think of Bailey Scott's year? 
Yeah, I think he had a really good season. He was a, had a bit of a slow-ish start, um, but, you know, by the end of the season, he was, you know, just about at his best. He's such a quality player. He's a very consistent player, um, which is sort of, that's why yeah. I kind of surprised me at the start of the year when he was a little bit slow to get started. Um, love him. He's the hardest worker in our team. He His running is unmatched. Um, and I think that when he gets some support next season with another wingman on the other side, um, you know, it's looking like it's going to be Dylan Stevens, and we'll talk about that later. Um, I think he's, yeah, I think, yeah, he's, he's just only yeah. going to thrive and it's only going to be better for him. Um, workhorse. I still think he's underrated, to be honest with you. Yeah, he is underrated. Um, because yeah. he doesn't do the flashy stuff, but he's an excellent player. So, yeah, um, definitely well-deserved in third. Mm. Nick Larky, our uh, All-Australian. Nick Larky should have been All-Australian captain. Uh, 173 votes. Did you question – I mean, look, we obviously – we may as well know. Harry Sheasel is obviously number one. Um, did you think Nick Larky might – slide in at number one over she's or did you always know it's going to be uh the big she's dog no i thought that she's would win it but um i thought that larky should have won it um and that takes nothing away from harry's season yeah harry i mean obviously she's had an unbelievable season um and there's no denying that and all the accolades you know they sort of speak for themselves but i think larky should have been the winner um these these um these votes you know and these awards very rarely do, you know, recognize, you know, they're not really built for a key position player unless they've had the most exceptional it's season true. like, you know, Robbie Tarrant had or Scott Thompson or um, or Todd Goldstein. Otherwise, you know, it's mainly a, you know, a ball winners, a ball winners award. Um, Nick Larkey should be our captain though. This is the one takeaway I actually took from the entire, the entire night. I've seen a lot of talk um, and you've even mentioned it, Josh, throughout the year that um, you thought that Larky maybe should be our captain. Nine, I always have really, I've really thought that the decision was correct at the time with um, McDonald and Simkin until the BNF um, and listening to Nick Larky speak. Speaks mm. like a captain speaks like a leader. Yeah. Um, he spoke, he gave two speeches um, throughout the night. He was awarded Shinboner of the year and he stood up and spoke and then he, you know, addressed the crowd again when he came runner up um, in the award and he's inspiring and he's passionate and there's so much care when he speaks and he really knows how to kind of command a room. Um, and I really think that the club, while I love Simpkin and I love McDonald, um, I think the club probably should reassess at the end of next season, give the boys another year and see how they go. But the way Nick Larky talks, to even, you know, and, and again, it doesn't take anything away from Simpkin or McDonald. Simpkin addressed the crowd at the start of the night and he spoke very well, but not he wasn't as concise as just the way that Larky speaks. I almost can't describe it, um, it just other than he sounds like a captain. Um, so I definitely yeah. think that the club should reassess that at the end of the year, end of next season, I should mm. say. Yeah. I mean, if, if Simpkin and Larky were sort of co-captaining, I'd be pretty happy with that. I still like the dynamic of a captain and a vice captain. I still think that should be a thing. I wouldn't mind dual vice captains as well. I, I'm, I'd still be backing Simpkin to be a good captain. I, I think he's really got it in him and he had a bit of a down year, but if he, 
next season, if he gets back to the form that he had the last two seasons, he's more mature. It's a younger playing group, you know, so now he can take the reins really instead of having Zeebel and Cunnington and Goldie still playing all the time. Maybe it felt a little bit like, well, I'm the captain, but these guys have done it. I think next year I back Jai to be the captain that we think he can be. But, yeah, I think you chuck Larky and I guess McDonald as well as like a co-vice captain and then the leadership group under them. But Larky at minimum vi- a vice captain for me. I, I, I agree with you. I didn't go to the night obviously, but the way he speaks after games and interviews and things like that, the passion he shows on the field and you can see him barking orders on the field. He's just... He's actually it, just but. extraordinary. It's the only way I can really describe it. Um, and he had the most unbelievable yeah. season. So, and his commitment yeah. to the club is just true, absolutely incredible. And as a supporter, I think that's all you can really ask for at the end of the day. So, really hoping there's some others who take his lead. But um, on the flip side, she's had an unbelievable season, and to be able to do of what course. he's done this year is just phenomenal. Um, and I really think that, you know, he really, the way, you know, he spoke about the club too, and he absolutely loves the club and that you can't ask for anything more really, especially, you know, from a kid. Um, he's a nice kid too. So I'm really looking forward to see him, you know, hopefully we do recruit a couple of positions um, sort of running off the halfback so he can start to push um, further up the field. I think that's where he's going to have his greatest impact. And that's scary to think because he basically took out just about every first year award and the BNF as well. Um, so yeah. a very, very, very special player on our hands with him. Yeah, no, it, it's very true. I mean, she's definitely, he was definitely the most consistent. I know. And they are set up for the, the smaller guys and the, and the midfielders to sort of win these awards. How do you feel about a first year player being our best and fairest? I thought that I would be a bit weird about it, but I'm actually, I'm fine with it. Um, I think that most of our best players were in and out of the side this year um, with injury, you know, LDU, Taryn Thomas obviously only came back at halfway through the year. So how I was in and out, Simkin was in and out. So um, he, Harry was our best player. And rather than it be something that's disappointing, I think it's something to be excited about. Our best player is a player for the future. He's a, 15 year player at the club, you know, he's not someone who's out the door. Um, And that's what we spoke about earlier. He can set the standard, um, you know, and if these young guys can set the standard, then, you know, what more can you really ask for? No, very true. Um, There was a couple of other awards. I probably need to bring them up here unless you know them off the top of your head. Um, There was like community awards and things like that. I might, just get the page up here and I'll see if I can uh, just read them out quickly. We don't have to talk too much about them, to be honest, because I didn't really know that they were a thing, to be honest. But what else have we got here? (laughs) Is that mean? Is that that a mean thing to say? Clearly not as important as a Sid Barker, but anyway. No, very true. The problem I've got right now is I've got a Band-Aid on my thumb because I cut myself at the barbershop and I can't scroll on my phone properly. So, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm that texting is the like most, you, everyone's That's mom. the most first world problem I've ever heard. Marnie, a problem's a problem, <laughs> okay? Anyway, to, to, to the Mazda Excellence Award to Harry Sheasel. Um, we got the Glen Archer Shinburner of the Year. Fantastic. That's the one I'd be wanting to win. I love Glen Archer. Nick Larkey got that. 
Um, Jane Stevenson, the Peter uh, Scanlon Community Award. Mm -hmm. Um, And what does it say? For his tremendous work with uh, At Heart Kids. That's nice, Jaden. He did model our disgusting uh, Good Friday Guernsey (laughs) as much as the course was beautiful. Of course. Uh, The Guernsey was just yuck. Um, And, of course, Jesus won the best young player. They should name it the Jason on Francis best young player for North. Uh, maybe next year we can pitch that to the club. Let's do it. Uh, but yeah, they were the other winners on the night. Well done to everybody, I guess. And you'll see me and Marnie doing street talk there next year, I guess. Yeah. That doesn't get you to buy tickets. I don't know what will. Yeah, you're totally <laughs> right. You're totally right. I'll be doing the street talk while she's chatting to Hugh. Give the people what they want. Me and Hugh Greenwood. Yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> um, last few talking points. Uh, Ron Barassi passed away, our coach from the 70s premierships. Very sad. Um, I'm not old enough to really know much about Ron Barassi. I'm not going to pretend like I do, but a big North figure, um, part of our our history. Um, very sad to hear about the passing of Ron Barassi. Seemed like one of the first stars or big names that people knew you think of guys really back in the day like your Lee Matthews I know you can go back further than that but um he was a very big figure in the game and you know we should sell always celebrate anyone linked with with North Melbourne and obviously he brought our first premiership so just wanted to acknowledge that I guess I don't have heaps to say on it but if you want to throw in anything to that Marnie Yeah, I mean, hugely influential figure in the game, meant so much to so many clubs, including North, took North to six grand finals, one, two, draw one, lost three. Mm. So, I mean, just for what he was able to do with the club in such a short amount of time was just absolutely incredible. And I don't think that I'm the same as you, Josh. I mean, I, you know, he, Ron Brassi was before my time, but every North fan knows the legacy that he's left on the club. And the timing, I guess, was a bit eerie, announced, you know, just hours before the start of the um, Sid Barker. So, yeah. you know, um, forever grateful for, you know, what he was able to do for our club and what he did for the game. Um, and he'll always be remembered by, you know, North fans, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, a couple of guys who Dylan Stevens, I guess we'll talk about really quickly now, has requested a trade to North Melbourne. And the rumor is that Zach Fisher is going to do that very, very soon as well. Um, being in the rumor mill for the last couple of the years with North Melbourne, usually when the links are this strong, it, it 90% of the time does happen. Um, Dylan Stevens obviously confirmed going to is requested a trade to us. Just we need to make that happen. Um, it's interesting to me, I guess, very Clarkson-like signings, left foots, uh, piercing left foots, bit of pace, outside run. Um, do you see that this is a thing that Clarkson's really targeting to sort of start to do what we know he does best? Yeah, I think it definitely offers us a lot, a lot of versatility. You touched on um, Dylan Stevens earlier in the show. He's really going to compliment Bailey, Ste- uh, Bailey Stevens, Bailey Scott on that other wing. Um, and Carlton fans, uh, I've spoken to a lot of Carlton fans about Zach Fisher. They rate him really highly. Um, yep, a lot I of them have the just said that they've underutilized him and that he lacks confidence. But you know, you know, just give him a, a good string of games, and you know, really just make him believe that you know he is the player that he can be. Um, and I think both of them would be great additions um, to the side. I think Zach Fish is a really interesting one. He is really versatile, but I'd love to see him replace Shees down back, and then you know, kind of give Shees that freedom to waltz, you know, further up the ground, as I've touched on earlier as well. Um, so I think both would be really great additions to the side. We're going to have a lot of players in the same positions. And that, that's my next question, I guess. How much is 
uh, McDonald, Archer, Goda, Bergman, all off that halfback, even Curtis Taylor on the wing. And if Simpkin has to move out to the wing, if we get a Harley Reid, and there's just an abundance of these similar sort of players. Are you concerned about that at all? I mean, obviously we know key position players uh, are way more crucial than guys like the guys that we're recruiting now. But are you worried about that? Or do you, you think there's plenty more to come? Or just how does that make you feel? Um, I don't hate it for a couple of reasons. I think a it's really good to have that depth and it's really good to ensure that the players that are in the best 23 perform consistently week in, week out. Um, that's the way we're going to get results. The other thing is, and I love, I love a lot of the players at North, don't get me wrong, but how many of them would actually get a game elsewhere? That's I something agree, you've constantly 100%. got to think about. And I don't think there's too many players, you know, that would get a game elsewhere, to be frank with you. Um, mm. So I don't, you know, if we can constantly improve on what we've got, I think that's what we should be doing. You know, we've been down the bottom for so long. Um, we've got to start making some big changes to be able to climb back up the ladder. And I think both of these, well, Stevens is a wing, is a winger and we don't have a, gen, a second genuine winger. You know, we've got Curtis Taylor and um, Eddie Ford who are both rotated off that second wing for most of the season. And both of them are great players in their own right, but neither of them are these genuine wingers. I think being able to have someone who is that workhorse in Stevens will really help Bailey Scott. Um, and I think that Fisher will take the place of Sheasel to allow Sheasel to go forward into his, you know, and into the midfield and play in the forward line where he should be playing. I don't think he's mm. replacing a lack for like, he's replacing a guy that needs to be playing up the ground. So I think yeah. both of them are really smart recruiting moves. Um, and I think if anything, it's just going to put pressure on the likes of Arch and McDonald and Goder and Bergman to play better, to secure their spot. That's all it is. Yep, yeah, no, that's very true. I think for me, as as long as there's multiple key position players coming in, if that's draft or trades or free or whatever, as long as we do that on top of this, I'm I'm very happy with it. I, I'll take those two players, no questions asked. We know where we're at right now, and beggars can't be choosers. But you know, ruck key uh, position forward to help Larky. Um, as much as I love CCJ, you know, we need someone who we know is going to turn up every single week. And um, for me, probably need two key defenders uh, with Mackay going and Griffin Logue being out, you know, getting a Daniel Curtin or something in the draft is a priority for me, especially if you've got two and three and not that this is the conversation now for this podcast, but I'd nearly take Curtin over Harley Reid just for position's sake. Um, so hopefully there's, there's some strategy with what we're doing here. We know we can get those over the line. We'll get those done quick in free agency and trades and let's go and get some key position players. But if we don't bring in key position players and we've given money to these guys, I would be concerned. Word out West is that West Coast will take Harley Reid with pick one, um, which almost certainly leaves us with Curtin at pick two. Um, Parker's over did there go watching over. him. Yeah. He's there at the moment, um, you know, so I think that, um, you know, all at this point, um, from what I'm understanding, all roads are leading to Curtin and I think he would be an excellent, excellent recruit at North. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we'll just um, have to wait and see how that plays out. I'm so nervous for the trades and the drafts and all that sort of stuff. I'm so excited, but I'm so nervous because I'm excited because we can, we could do really well. Like all of the cards are in our hands ready for us to play, but 
This Will is we? our biggest off season we've had. This is our biggest off season we've had for a very, very long time because you can't forget that Clarko had no say on what happened in the trade period last year. Yeah. Um, he was, you know, he didn't start at the club till November. So this is the first time he's actually really been able to have a say on the list in general, who gets delisted, who gets traded, who stays, who comes in, um, who gets drafted. So it's it's I'm nervous, but I'm also really, really excited because I think this could really shape us for the next five to this 10 could be years. the draft we look back at like the Hawks in 2003 or whatever it was, 2004. And that's when we get our Franklin Roughhead, you know, Hodge, Lewis, those guys, like looking back with Sheasel, Braden, George Wardlaw out of last year. And then moving forward, we get a curtain and Nick Watson, whatever we're going to pick up at 14, which will drop down a little bit. We know, but could these two years build a spine and build a core of players? And Clarkson was talking about the spine when he was over in Western Australia, the reporter stopped him at the airport and said he needs, he knows he wants to build the spine of his team. So that gives me confidence. We are going to get the, the key forward, the key back and the ruck, hopefully. But hey, we uh, we're just sitting on the roller coaster. We don't get to decide where it goes. We're just gonna talk about it when it, <laughs> when it happens. But <laughs> look, delisting our first. hot takes when it happens. Yeah, then uh, free agency and trades, and then and then draft, and then after all that, December time when we know what we've got and what we're doing, we can either all cry together or laugh together and say we're going to win the premiership. So oh, I'm already stressed, and it hasn't even happened yet. All right. The last thing we'll talk about. Just wait till trade radio starts. Yeah, yeah, very true. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm so excited for Kane Corn's takes on all the players <laughs> that we recruit. Yeah. <sighs> um prelim finals. Let's just talk about that and we'll talk about the upcoming grand final. I might do a preview podcast for the grand final. Maybe. Who who knows? If I can be bothered, I'll do it. Um maybe this is the preview right now, to be honest. Prelim finals. Give me your thoughts. Port Adelaide yes. didn't uh, didn't turn up and all this sort of stuff as well. And that was obviously the semi-final. Maybe let's just talk about Port for a second. Bloody hilarious. Um, Jason Horn Francis clearly isn't a big game player and can only play when he's getting carried by two Brownlow quality players in the midfield. Um, I love that Port went out in straight sets. It makes me so happy and... Apparently everyone in the AFL wants to go to them as requesting a trade and they're going to go there and just be not quite good enough as well. So that warmed my heart, but tell me what you thought about Port Adelaide uh, bombing out in two games. Yeah. I mean, Port are known for choking come September time. Um, This Mm. is no news to anybody. Um, This year it was just in straight sets rather than breaking (laughs) their fans hearts in the prelim. Like they've done more, more recently in the past few seasons. Um, I'm over the whole Port Adelaide thing, to be honest. Um, you know, good luck to them. Um, you know, Juan Francis is going to be an incredible player. Um, while he didn't step up during the final series, I think, you know, with a bit more experience, he probably will, um, given the opportunity. Um, I think that they had a they had a good season, obviously. You know, it takes a lot to to make it um that far, but you know, to fall over it's I mean, it's further than we got. Um, but at the end of the day, neither North nor Port won any finals this season. So <laughs> that's we won just as many finals this year as Port Adelaide. Uh-huh. I, I, and we I, won I our last it. game of the season. We what won our last streak. game of the season and Port didn't. So, you there know, you go. take yeah. take make that what you will. 
Look, <laughs> as much as I as much as I don't want to be that fan, I know what fan I'm like, and I'm gonna consistently try to prove that Horn Francis isn't good for the rest of his career. Yes, I don't really care, and hopefully Port Adelaide can go and do what they want. But I'm a spiteful fan, and I hold I'm like a, a 14 year old girl in high school, and I will hold this grudge for years <laughs> until the exact time I know I can emotionally destroy you. Um, this is the only side of, this is the only mean girls version of Josh you'll get, but, um, I just can't stand. It's going to be a long 15 years for you, Josh. It will be. It's going to be a long 15 years ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, Marnie, if you could get through that phase in high school and get to where you are now, you're my Melbourne demons. You're, you give me hope that we can make it too. So um, I believe that this grudge will be held for his entire career. And I'm excited for that because I just think he's very overrated. Like, yes, he's very strong, great clearance player, um, can break a tackle, but he he will always run until he gets tackled with the ball. I don't think I've ever seen him kick it under someone's chest. He just sends it long. Um, and every single time this happened every game in the finals as well. And this was one of the things that I thought I was making up to try and pretend that he wasn't, you know, maybe he was worse than he is, but I am pretty sure this is exactly spot on. Every contest, every ball up, he'll stand next to his player. And as soon as they bounce the ball, what he does is he pushes the player and he'll run to the other side of the ball up contest. The Ruckman will tap it to the guy that he's been on and his player will be gone out the back and they'll get the ball away while he's stand, Horn Francis is standing there going, what, what happened? He doesn't really chase. He won't put pressure on. And he sort of walks around like a rooster with his chest out a bit and look, he, I think he's going to be a good player as well. Don't get me wrong, but there are massive flaws in his game, um, which I think Kane Corns might be overcompensating for with the things he does well. But hey, look, I don't want to go on about it. That's where I'll leave it here. No more Horn Francis chat this year because they're not playing anymore, but um, it'll be back next year for sure. I'm, I'm bitchy. I'm sassy, spicy, and I'm a mean girl at heart when it comes to footy players I hate. Well, guys, if North have another down year, that's one thing you have to look forward to. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, you, you've got to look forward to Kane Turner to um, Aiden Core overlapping handballs uh, to goal from outside 50. You've got to listen to myself and Marnie break down uh, Tristan Jerry's games next year and me giving you updates on how oh. average and overrated Horn Francis is. So if that doesn't get you back listening to the Further North what podcast, a trifecta. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like the Bermuda Triangle of podcasting. <laughs> um what did you think of the two prelims are you happy carlton's gone now are we happy that we don't have to hear about it anymore you know interestingly enough i actually didn't really have an issue who out of the remaining four teams um i had an issue with the the grand final i don't have have this um, weird vendetta against carlton Mm. are you kidding no the orange tsunami it would be okay. Oh my god, wow. Let me explain wow. this. Let me explain this, Marnie. Let I would explain. be big, big sounding my little heart out. No, no, it's not a, it's a it's a big big sound going back to Canberra now. Um so <laughs> I was all pies in that game. And the reason being is I don't really care who wins it from here. The teams I said at the start of the year that I don't want to win, cats, power, tigers. Other than that, don't really care who wins it. 
The Blues really made me hate them over the last two months. And as much as I would like to see Cripper, Kerno, all those guys win because i got nothing against them or bad to say about them, the fans drove me up the wall and I don't think they deserve any sort of happiness. So that was good to see them go. But I all I want now is a good grand final. I just want a close grand final. And if the Giants are in there, there's a big, big chance, not a big, big sound, a big, big chance that they don't show up just like they did against Richmond in like 2017 or 19 or whatever it was. Um, 19. Yeah. Yeah. That's, they were the one that I knew that would get there and just completely tank under the pressure. So I needed them gone to make sure we've got the best possible game in the grand final. Carlton, I actually think would have done the same thing. I think they would have got there and been like, uh, they were impressive to me against the lines though for the first, maybe half, maybe a quarter and a half. And I was like, Oh, maybe if they do get the grand final, they can really do something. But that the Carlton wave really died off very, very quickly. So to me, we've got the best two teams in the grand final by far, which will make the best game by far. And that's why I was not ready for the big, big sound. And I was happy that the Blues are now just, you go back to Ligon Street, grab some pasta. There's some great restaurants down there. Carb load for the training you'll be doing in the off season, but no grand final for you guys, because I could not stand all the Carlton fans Um talking about them in the grand final, let alone winning it. So the lid is on for me. The lid is sealed shut. We've siliconed that thing shut and we've thrown it in a river. Um, the last night's prelim, so this is, we're recording on Sunday, so last night, Carlton, Brisbane, their prelim was scarily similar to our prelim against West Coast in 2015. We got out to a really, really hot start and we it was all north in the first soon, quarter. Mate. And Why would you bring that up? I mean... It, I'm not because over this it. is a north pod. This is a north <laughs> podcast. What do you want me to do? Sit here and talk about Carlton for the next ten minutes? I'm not doing that. I'm trying to get um, some more fans listening to the very, thing. All right, come on. <laughs> very, very similar. No, I, I, I disagree uh, respectfully um, about that call on the disagree. Giants. <laughs> I think the Giants were the most underrated side this season. Um, to fall by one point to, um, to Collingwood on Friday night, they played an extraordinary game of football I think that the the way that um Adam Kingsley has got the Giants thinking about what they can do and their ability to just blow everyone out of the water is incredible the self-belief they have at that club is um, unrivaled um Mm. for those who haven't seen it the day of the elimination final and I encourage everyone to do this um during the week the day of the elimination final the Giants put out on their Twitter um this like four and a half minute like mini docu-series thing called Why Not Us? And it takes you, you know, it basically is the journey of the season up until the point of elimination final day. And it's incredible. Um, Even from the start of the season, they had an interview um, with Sam Taylor on radio. And, you know, he kind of said, yeah, we've had a really rough start, but we know that like once all the pieces, you know, are put together, we'll be just as good as any team in the competition. And I'd argue they were just as good as any team in the competition um, and had they started their run a little bit earlier, I think they probably would have made the grand final. And I think there would have been a chance to win it. You can't forget there's a, you know, there's a whole, there's a completely different leadership group there. And that isn't just in the coach's box. That's on field as well. Toby Green is the most unbelievable captain and an unbelievable player. He broke down in tears after the game in the rooms. And that is a captain. That's someone who bleeds for that club. And you can, you know, you see it in just about everything he plays and people can call him a dirty player, call him whatever you want. 
that, that that's passion you know that's that's doing everything for the jumper um so i i think the giants don't think they would have bombed the same way they bombed in 2019 i still think that brisbane and collingwood are the two best teams they have been the two best teams all year, and I think they will put on the best grand final, um, and I think they both deserve to be there. But I think had one of or both of um, Carlton and all the Giants made it, I think they would have put on just a good, as good of a show. Um, mm. But having said all of that, I think it will be an excellent grand final. Um, I think a lot of people think it's Collingwood's and they'll just take it. I wouldn't write right Brisbane off I think they look like a different side this year even just with the addition of Josh Dunkley the only real major addition they've had in that side from last year but Gunston they've been around well. the mark for so Gunston but it's Gunston has Gunston played consistently all play? year yeah man. did he play I don't I, think so I didn't hear his name actually now you mention it yeah I don't think he, he played play. yesterday um so maybe the off maybe he's had an impact off field, but I don't think he's I don't think he played last night. Um, but you know, maybe it's all these things sort of starting to gel together. Um for mm. them. Harris Andrews, I thought was excellent last night. I was night. about to bring Sasevich him up. Was I was excellent. Like, um, how good is Harris um, Andrews? He was unbelievable um last night. And I, I really think that Brisbane, I think this is they're probably in the best position they've been, with the exception of 2020, because that was just how they how they didn't at least make the grand final was just unbelievable. Um, but with that aside, I think they're now in probably the best position they've been in the, in the last five years to actually really challenge genuinely and win mm. a premiership. So really looking forward to the grand final next week. I'll be there. So I'm um yeah, I'll be um I'll just be I'm happy with either team taking it out. Um, just hoping for a good contest as always. Mm, I've never been to a grand final. I, oh yeah, I, I'm already in my head decided, not decided, but I just don't think I'll ever get to go to one. I feel like there's more and more corporate tickets being sold. I'm not MCC or anything. So it's like, ah, I wonder if I'll ever be able to get to a grand final. But hey, if the podcast gets big enough, I can be like, hey, North, look at all the free content I've been giving you guys. Chuck us a granny ticket, would you? But look, we've got a few <laughs> yeah, do years. Us a solid. Come on, guys. Um, but hey, who knows? Um Tip the game, Marnie, who wins the grand final? I think Collingwood will win it, but I think it'll be a close one. Who do you want to win it? I really don't have a preference. I know I'm, I don't like being a fence-sitter, but don't be a fence sitter. Ne- I'm, I'm, neither one team or the other. I'd rather North win it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you've got to pick a grand final <laughs> winner right now in three, two, one, say the name. North. I hate you. <laughs> I I would like I would like Brisbane to win the grand final, um, but I want a close game. That would be my preference. I think Collingwood will win it, but I'm 50-50. So grand finals hosted at my house this year as well. So we'll be chucking on the barbecue and uh, getting a few people. Everyone uh, at Josh's. Everyone to my place. Um, everyone who listens to this, I'm not going to give you my address, but if you know it, everyone in my place, there'll be snags, bergs, um, all that sort of stuff going on here. So it's going to be a good time. Uh, I think that's basically everything. Uh, longer podcast once again than I wanted it to be. We talked about it at the start, but hey, uh, we may not even, but we shouldn't even bother talking about that money when we do podcasts because they're always going to go for a long time. But the longer ones do seem to get more listens or people seem to like them. So maybe it's just the uh, winning When you and I get together, Josh, it's just it's just mm. a north a north of thumb. Can't who, stop. Who, Northathon, that's wild. 
Um, who, who's got better chemistry, you and me or uh, you and Hugh Greenwood? Oh, you and me, I think. Mm. You and me. I actually met Hugh's wife. That is one thing I did. I met Hugh's wife at the Sid Barker. How'd that feel? She's amazing. I have the biggest crush on her, maybe more mm. of a crush than I have on Hugh. So there you go. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So we're not marrying Hugh Greenwood anymore. You're just going to try and be adopted by the family. I think so. I think that's the best way to go. Yeah. Okay. Look, uh, I have filled out that paperwork in my life before. So if you need any tips on the online forms, you just let me know for those adoption papers. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. <laughs> you <all> are right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> anyway, what a bombshell to, uh, to leave on. So on that bombshell, uh, we're going to sign off right now. Thank you to Marnie for coming back on. If anyone uh, wants the full story, if anyone uh, wants the full story, yeah, maybe the, if, <laughs> if the off season gets completely barren and there's just nothing going on, I'll tell my life story on the podcast and it'll get 10 listens. So that will be good. I'll listen. Oh, thanks, Marnie. You're the best. You're welcome. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm going to do a grand final preview, to be honest, guys. No one really cares. That's basically all my thoughts on the grand final. I think uh, Collingwood will win. I think I'd like Brisbane to win and I hope it's close. So. Yeah, look, I'll be back um, when the delist. I'm assuming the delistings podcast will be next. As soon as the delistings are done, I'll record that night and get something out ASAP. I don't know who I'll be able to get on the podcast. If I'll try for everybody humanly possible, but if there's nobody, I'll just do it by myself. And then uh, we've got free agency podcasts lined up with some new guests, um, trades, uh, draft. It's all going to be going down. So. Marnie, uh, we'll be back later in the year um, because we know you guys probably listen to it for Marnie more than me. And, uh, yeah, that's basically all I've got to update everybody on. Any updates from you, Marnie? Anything the people need to know? No. That's all. Okay. That's all for me too. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's boring. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) thank you for listening again, guys. Uh, At Further North Pod on Instagram, Further North Podcast on Facebook. My goal to make Twitter slash X is still alive, um, but can't make any promises. So hopefully going into next season, I've got Twitter, um, even though I've got no idea how to use it and don't really want to. It is what it is. Everyone spam the Further North pages and get Josh on X. No, don't do that. Do it. Okay, we're signing off. Remember, guys, hashtag free Marnie merch. Yeah, you'll get Marnie merch if you get (laughs) free Marnie merch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is true. Oh god, what a waste of time. There's the trade off. (laughs) All right, I'm actually leaving this time, Marnie. We're all like, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. It's one of those situations, isn't it? We're done. We're done. Thanks, everyone. All right, guys, (laughs) talk to you soon. Dear listings, be exciting. Listen to me. I love you. Please support me. I'm poor. Okay. Goodbye.